Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Good day to you. Chris Evans here and welcome along to your very latest edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, fabulous funny man Tom Allen lifts the lid on his new absolutely bonkers desert island panel show, The Island on Dave. The Academy Award winning Gary Oldman spills the beans on starring in the six or is it 12 episode thriller Slow Horses out now on Apple TV+. Hollywood humorist John C. Riley shoots hoops and reveals all about starring in the new 10-part sports drama winning time the rise of the lakers dynasty which is on now and sky atlantic and the unofficial or is it now official vice president of car fest rob bryden reveals what he has in store at this year's top family festival extravaganza all of that and much more to come pray do your best on informing us as who to might be first from stonking stand-up to perfect televisual presentation, our next guest is a man for all occasions. His new show, The Island, continues tonight at 10pm on Dave. As the saying goes, no man is an island, but one man hosts the island, and that man is the impeccable Tom Allen! All right, Tom! Oh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Look lovely to be you, here. the life and soul of the party. And the party's still going on, by the way. The party never ends, the does looks- it? The party is still going on. I was very fortunate to be hosting the RTS Awards last night. Oh, you night, were hosting? Chris. I didn't know. Yes, Chris, yes. I don't don't just turn up at these things. Um, I was hosting it. That was the only way I could be invited because I was not nominated. But it's great because if you host, you get paid as well. Well, there is that. There is that. Isn't it yes, cool? it's cool. Very practical. That you know, he wants a Brit award when you can just host and give them all out <laughs> and get paid. How true. How true. Who won what last night at the RTS Awards? Um, well, Virgin Virgin Radio's uh, Graham Norton won a big, big. Uh, what was it? It wasn't really a lifetime achievement, but it was something big like that. It was a big award at the end, right. and I can't remember what they called it, but it was great. Was he there? Yes, made a lovely speech. Did it was he? great. Yes, yeah. lovely Graham. Lovely he? person. Lovely. Uh, person. Who else won what? Did Gary, Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker usually wins every year. Um, Gary Lineker didn't win. Gary Lineker is the Anton Deck of the RTSs. Oh, that's interesting. Gary never won. Gary never won. Oh, it's always a Gary. It's a Gary. It's It's always a Gary, isn't Um, it? Any any surprises? Um, um, I I didn't get slapped. Um, (laughs) Oh, no, I did a bit. We did a bit of a spoof slap at the beginning. Did you do that? Yeah, I got my friend AJ Adudu to run up on stage and slap me as as we began. Just for no no reason, you know, no joke attached to it. Just just being a silly spoof. Did it go down very well? (laughs) Yes, it did. Although we rehearsed doing it as a sort of theatrical slap with me putting my right hand across my left cheek. You can imagine that, listener. And then she would slap it, slap it like that, and it would work. But then at the last minute, she decided to use her other hand, where my hand. So there was no hand. Even funnier. Even funnier, but there was no, there was nothing there to protect me. So you have a, you have a semi idea of what Chris Rock felt like then on the day. uh, Yes, a slight, a slight feeling, but really nothing like it. And also, Chris Rock just went, well, that's the greatest night in television. Whereas I went, ow, that really hurt. (laughs) Uh, Daytime Telly Awards. Uh, it was the what? Who won the daytime yeah, yeah. awards? Uh, okay, Chris, I'm a big, big fan of daytime. I love well, daytime. Uh, it was uh, the the big house giveaway, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's it probably what, is. Yeah. yeah, that one. I haven't that seen one. That the great one. house giveaway. The great house giveaway. Thank you what, very much. What time did you get home? Well, I actually stayed at the venue because I knew I was coming here. What time did you get to bed? I got to bed just after four a.m. Did you want to sleep? <laughs> but I wasn't. Oh, you know excuse me. <laughs> Round of applause. Well done. Much, but, much less respect to you there, my friend. That, well, I was just having such a nice time chatting to people. What time did the awards finish? 11 ish? Well, they finished just before 12. There's 31 awards. Oh I mean, I me. motor through them. Don't don't think I'm hanging around. Yeah, but even if you motor, they still yeah. take some There's time. There's 31 awards. Because you, you may motor through your bit, but the recipients not, don't necessarily motor some through theirs. Some people like to take their time over a speech. All right, we get it. <laughs> you know, but no, they were lovely, lovely people, lovely award winners. Award shows are interesting, especially those mm. industry awards, because, mm. I mean, you know, but, you know, of course, the, the Oscars are technically the biggest under, industry awards in the world, but... but it's interesting because the later they, get, they they go on, the more people are um, 
lubricated, if you like. Yes. Uh, but also, the less people are interested in the room because every award sees more nominees out of the frame, out of the picture. Yes. So by the mm. time you come to the most important award, that's when the, the least number of people in the room are A, involved, B, interested. It's so bizarre, mm, isn't it? It can be like that, yes. Well, but that's why I don't, <laughs> I don't allow it. I'm very tough with everybody. I tell people to shut up. And that's quite refreshing, I think, because people are often very polite. Like, please be quiet. No, drunks don't listen to that. Shut up. You've got to shout, shut up. Four o'clock. And the other yeah. thing is, when you get to bed at four, um, sometimes it then takes you a while to sort of decompress. Well, absolutely. Or transition. Oh, when I go like. to bed at four, that's the time I want to start doing my tax return that's when I've got loads of focus <laughs> and energy <laughs> and I cannot go to sleep are you an early riser usually no I'm not I'm a terrible but before I go to bed oh I've got all the energy in the world I could I could build another it's another so shard to uh, <laughs> to go next to this building like that's the energy I have but then in the morning I go oh, what, what on earth was I thinking I'm very tired now right but- talking to telly on day tonight 10pm the oh, island yes this is this is your new game show right mm. I watched it last night Oh, Chris. <laughs> My first question is, right, mm. um, and Rachel's already answered it because she knew the answer. Oh, Rachel. Wh- who, who was involved, where were they, and how the heck did they come up with uh, the most novel television format I have ever seen? Chris, you're very kind to say that. Well, thank you, though, because I've, I really feel it's a really original, exciting idea. It couldn't be more original. For the list- have you explained it to the listeners already? I began to, and then I lost my nerve. Well, that's... <laughs> I can't imagine you doing that. But it's basically a cruise ship is has run aground, we're sinking, but we've spotted four islands in the distance and I've chosen four comedians to run each of the islands and they, they're going to win by getting the most of the passengers onto their... attracting the most passengers onto their island. All right. It's, so they're building their own society on each of the islands. It's a bit like Lord of the Flies, but without the decapitations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, we've got one more minute. Come on. Uh, it's, back on it's back on day tonight. It's a, it's yes. a Dave original is what it is. It's a new show. And it's, it's called The Island. It's 10pm tonight. It's the most extraordinary television show I've ever seen. And I've made a couple. Mm. Um, uh, but there's nothing more extraordinary than this one. What else would you like to say about Chris, it? Chris, thank you very much. Well, that, you've done it all. It's, um, we're, we're really proud of it. It's a new idea. And it's great to be making television and trying out new things. And we hope you love it as much as we do. And when are you doing this big Friday Night Channel 4 show that's going to be on forever? Well, I'm working on it all the time. On. I'm working on it all the time, Chris. Is, it, just... okay, is it in development with Channel 4? Or are you yet to pitch the deck to them? I am always in talks with trying to pitch the deck to Channel 4, but it's, well, you know what it's like. I think you should be on Channel 4 every well, Friday forever. I really do. Chris, you, you're you very are, generous to me. You are more made for them than they realise. And well, it's time that they it's time they open their eyes and their ears and their hearts and their blimmin' wallets. Okay, I'll tell them. I'll tell, wish you told me this yesterday. I could have mentioned it at the RTS Awards. <laughs> <laughs> too late now. Isn't Tom, it? we love you. Thank you, Chris. I love you guys too. Uh, Thank Tom you may me. well be hosting this show at some point in the near future, but none of us are sure. At least of all, Tom, because he didn't get to bed till M- four. Mystic Meg will tell us when it's time. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. It's a simple rule. If our next guest is on your screen it'll definitely be worth your time and there's more proof on the way this evening his new series winning time the rise of the lakers dynasty starts tonight at 9 p.m on sky atlantic so please welcome the buzzer beating king of the court it's john c Riley. good morning john good morning good morning how are you today I'm very good, thanks. I'm the buzzer beater, huh? Wow. Yeah. I was always terrible at basketball, actually. Uh, well, let me tell you, I'm, I don't know, you must be aware of this. Your show, your show, you and your pal's show is off the charts good, John. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. So you played Jerry Buss, uh, Dr. Buss, but he was a real doctor, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He had a PhD in physical chemistry, believe it or not. And I mean, how many sports owners in the world can you say that about right now? <laughs> Before we get on to him, can you just frame for people, you know, uh, how he began to not only rebirth uh, the Los Angeles Lakers net, uh, uh, basketball team, but also the whole sport of basketball? Right. So he, at the time that Jerry bought the team, and he had a, an incredibly storied life before he even got involved in sports. Um, he said he became a doctor of chemistry. He was teaching it. He was working for the aerospace industry and then got into, um, you know, buying things once his real estate empire took off. But he was the first one to put music at games, at professional basketball games. He was the first person to put cheerleaders at professional basketball games. He was the first guy to change the name of the stadium in order to pay off his creditors. Um, and he just he realized that sports wasn't like 
rebounds and points. Sports was theater. Sports was entertainment. And he uh, he opened it up in a way that every single sports organization in the whole world to this day is still using stuff that Jerry innovated in 1979, which incidentally in America in 1979, basketball was being beat on TV in the ratings by bowling and basketball. And, uh, <laughs> Bowling and golf were in in front of basketball. Oh my goodness me! Uh, it's incredible. I mean, literally performed an entertainment miracle uh, where this this elite sport was concerned. Now it's it's not about me, John. I promise you. But I did used to once own the radio station that I'm now broadcasting on. I did buy it once uh, way wow. back way back in the nineties, and I couldn't afford it. I didn't have anywhere near enough money, and it was not dissimilar for our friend Doctor Bus, was it? No, it wasn't. He was a great poker player. That was one of the things he learned early as a kid was how to read people, how to tell when they were bluffing. And, uh, yeah, he was often leveraged, for, you know, in deeper in projects than he had the money for. But somehow, to this day, his family still owns that team. He bought the team, the stadium, another team, and a, a huge estate in California for $67 million in 1979. The team alone, which his daughter still runs, is worth over a billion dollars today. Yeah, and some I would I would imagine. So back in the day, he he managed to get his hands somehow on sort of almost half the cash, and then he did like part exchanges because he owned things like he just happened to own things like the Empire the State Building, building. <laughs> didn't he? The Chrysler Building. The Chrysler, the Chrysler Building. Forgive yeah, me. Right. Yeah. So so and this is from an original thousand dollar property real estate deal. So so he was he was very good. I like him. I've only seen two episodes john so far but i like him is it okay for me to like him or am i am i in the wrong lane there well no i think it's okay for you to like him i like him a lot i, I think it was a huge honor to play dr jerry bus yes he was he had this reputation as like a party guy he was good friends with hugh hefner but he was a man of his time too 1979 in los angeles like everyone was partying to a certain degree um but but if you focus on that i think you missed the real genius of jerry buss which is that he was an he was a savant with numbers he could read people he was not racist at a time when a lot of these owners of these teams were racist he just saw like personality you know and he found magic johnson or he he convinced magic johnson to join him there in la and these two outsiders from la came in and like ran the town like he was king of la until he died in 2014. so you jonah hill's on board directing adam mckay uh, set up the the sort of structure and the style uh, any right. other names we may recognize from, from the from the succeeding eight episodes that i haven't seen in terms of directors yeah, yeah, yeah. well there's some very talented people i'm not sure it, it wouldn't be names that i knew ahead of time so maybe maybe you might not have heard of them but um You'll see. I think everyone did an amazing job at at keeping that Adam McKay style going with the uh, breaking the fourth wall and direct to camera presses and the visual style. You know, we shot the entire thing on 35 millimeter camera, uh, a state of the art digital camera, and a broadcast camera from the 1980s called wow. an Echo. So we could flip back and forth between stock footage and what we shot, and you really can't tell the difference. So. Um, yeah, there's got a grainy quality to it. It's, it's um, you know, it's not just you know, the Jerry story. You go into the story of Magic Johnson, you go into small town Michigan in an African-American family in America in 1979 and see what that was like. So I, I love that the show is so even handed in that way yeah. between black and white. You know, like on the, on the crew, the characters, like you're really seeing a, a full picture of America at the time as, a, as opposed to just looking through the lens of of white characters. Now, um, reading up on you, watching videos of you, last couple of weeks, you've had fun in Ireland with my friend Ryan yeah. Tebedy. Tell, tell us about that. Well, I was asked to be the International Guest of Honor of the St. Patrick's Day Festival in Dublin this year, and I said yes. I mean, as an Irish-American, it was like kind of a bucket list moment that I didn't realize was on my bucket list. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got out there in an open car and people were on the streets on a beautiful day in Dublin. And I think everyone really needed to come back a little bit after these two years of, of you know, dark times. And also at the time in the world, I think we all needed a moment to say oh, joy matters. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and we saw a lot of great support for the Ukrainian people that day. Um, so it's not lost on everyone, everything that's going on in the world, but... I felt like the spokesman for joy at that moment. Yeah, and you, you sang a couple of um, Irish anthems, which it looked like you knew by heart, or sounded like you knew by heart. 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I grew up in the south side of Chicago. My dad was Irish-American and played all that music all the time. So it's, it's lodged in my head for sure. Well, John C. Riley, you are awesome. Is there anything that I should have talked about or asked you about that I haven't to do with this new show? No, I mean, you've been so enthusiastic, Chris. I really appreciate it. And I think people are going to really enjoy it if they check it out tonight. All right. You're awesome, John C. Riley. Thanks for talking to us. Please talk to us again about something else. I will do. OK. John C. Riley, with his friends, his uber-talented friends, on your TV tonight, 9pm Sky Atlantic, winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. It is must-watch must TV, but it's only for the grown-ups, let me tell you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From panel shows to sitcoms and theatres to huge festival crowds, he always hits the spot. He's performing on the main stage at Carfest South this year in the superest of all the supergroups. So please welcome the super-duper supergroup crooner that goes by the name of Rob Brydon! Good morning, Rob! Good morning, Chris. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, thanks so much. <laughs> uh, so for people who weren't there, why are we playing Islands in the Stream, Rob Brydon? Because it's a song that I sang with Ruth Jones and Tom Jones in uh, Gavin and Stacey. And then we came and we sang it at Carfest with Ruth and Rick Astley singing Tom Jones's part. And it was one of the best things I've ever done. It was such fun. Well, hang on a minute. You say you sang it with Ruth Wilson and indeed you did. That did happen. But it was a surprise for everyone, including myself. Can you just set the scene as, as to what was going on? Well, first thing that happened was uh, you had uh, James Blunt playing. So Bryn in Gavin Stacey loves James Blunt. I think he's got a cracking voice, Gwen. I don't know what your problem is with him. So um, I, Bryn came out and, first of all, announced uh, James Blunt, which was fantastic. And James did his set. And then uh, Bryn came back out and nobody was expecting this. Ruth came, Ruth Jones, in a full Nessa. Well, I should say Nessa came, not, not, not Ruth. Nessa comes out. The crowd went kind of crazy. I mean, it was wonderful. They, the went, crowd they lost it, crazy. man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we did Islands in the Stream. And in the record, it's, it's Tom Jones at the end. He goes, oh, sail away with me. But this time, because Tom wasn't there, because Rick was playing. So out comes Rick Astley, and uh, Rick Astley sang that bit. And it was just, listen, I enjoyed it. As much as the crowd did, it was just fantastic. Uh, it's awesome. It's all, it was awesome. It was fantastic, as you say. Um, and when you you talk about you know Uncle Bryn coming on, you t you talk about him in the third person because he's not you, but obviously you play him. <laughs> and does that allow you to just have more fun and be naughty than Rob Brydon would ever really be in real life? Well, it gives you a slight pass because there's <laughs> such affection for the character, but you've got to stay within the, the bounds of the character. And of course, I, I don't write the thing. I always have to say this, you know, so I'm I'm sort of wary of what I say. So I try and keep it within what Ruth and James would have would have written. You know, I'm not going to come out with something <laughs> controversial. And, <laughs> but um, yeah, to a degree, it does, because this this it's such a. A wonderful show, Gavin and Stacey, in, in the affection that people have. I mean, I went to a rugby match last night and, you know, people were coming up and they want, that's what they want to talk about, you know. So it's it's a lovely thing. Oh, mate, it is a great thing. And you're always happy to talk about it, aren't you? That That is that is the, the fantastic thing that you realise, you know, before a lot of people in this business do. You know, that's what you're renowned for. What else do you think people are going to want to talk to you about? <laughs> well, they, sometimes they talk about uh, would I lie to you. Sometimes they talk about the trip. But the biggest thing is is, is Gavin and Stacey. And I always remember before I'd done anything that, that I was known for, I was walking down the street in Richmond one day and Rick Mail was appearing at the local theatre. I was a huge fan of his. And he was walking towards me. And this is before camera phones or anything like that. So I just said, hello, can I just say you've given me so much pleasure over the years. Now, it could have been a day, maybe he wasn't in the mood, this, that, the other, but he looked at me and he went, oh, thanks, matey. And he did a, gave me the full Rick Mail. And I just kind of went away from that and, oh, wow, I've met Rick Mail, you know, and yeah. I sort of always remembered that. It's a good lesson. It's a good lesson and one we should all bear in mind. Um, now, you do love 
to be on stage with a full band and uh, you're taking it to a different level this year at Carfest. What 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 do you have planned? What how much do you want to tell us? I hear this whole thing about an Elvis set or Well, yeah, but I don't want to give I don't want to give too much away <laughs> because I'm sort of I've had this idea for a few years right. of, of this kind of character thing I could do. Right. But there'll certainly be an Elvisy flavor to it. Love it, Rob. I love it. I love it. And you're going to bring the family again? You're going to stay for the weekend? We have the best time, Chris. We'd never been to a festival. I'm like, look, people think, oh, he would say that. He's talking, Chris. It's true. We'd never been to a festival. I didn't think I was a festival person. <laughs> and, then, and then we came, we came to Carfest yes. and we had the best time. And, and the, my two younger kids, my two boys who are now 13 and 10, regularly throughout the year, are we going to Carfest this year? I'll be going to Carfest. We, we, we love it. We love it. Right. Uh, Rob, what else are you up to? What, what else is going down? Apart from, from your new sauna life, which I'm excited. <laughs> no, do we want to talk about no, How no, much do we want to talk about no, this? No, we don't need to talk about that at all. But I, I know that you've just taken up saunering in your garden and you are loving it. We could leave it at that, I suppose. <laughs> you, I, Chris, yes. I'm loving it. I found my happy place. Do you have, I a, mean, do you have a regime? Is it, do, is it three in and three out? Do you have a garden shower yet? How does it work for you? I haven't got... Well, tell you what we have got. We've got this water feature in the garden right. and so we got this this garden uh sauna i'm kind of embarrassed <laughs> to say how i came by this garden sauna well let's not then let's leave that bit out <laughs> uh, it, it was a it was a gift from a very special person we're, we're not gonna uh, i mean someone who likes saunas himself and he's in people's houses every morning let's just say that okay and and i've been banging on about them and one day like elvis he goes i'm gonna get your shower but he doesn't speak like that so so we've got it now it's this little lovely little sauna in the garden yes. and i go in there and it's contemporary and it's just rather lovely. And we've got this very small little water feature. And uh, the other day I came out of it and I thought, well, you're meant to have a shower after it, aren't you? A cold shower. Yeah. And our shower in the house doesn't get that cold. Yeah. So I just got this water mm. from this water feature. My wife said, you, you can't put that stuff on you. That's not clean. I said, well, I'm not drinking it. I'm, I'm just splashing it over me. But it is. It's, um, it's, it's a wonderful thing, Chris. And um, I, I am a full sauna disciple. Yeah. Uh, Rob, I love you. I really do. I genuinely love you. I love your family. Thank you so much for your support, as always. Oh, we, Chris, we, we're so happy to be part of it. Thanks. All right, pal. That's Rob Bryden. Carfesting again this year. If you want to carfest with people like Rob Bryden, and then you need to go to carfest.org now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He has an uncanny ability to only appear in good things and his endless run of quality <laughs> is about to extend a little further. The brilliant new series Slow Horses is available from today on Apple TV+. And here to tell us more is a prize-winning stallion you all know and love. It's the one and only Gary Oldman! <laughs> Morning, Cal! Come on. Okay, he has a lone canny neck only to be in good things, at which point Gary and I just burst out laughing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Is it not true? I have a good radar. <laughs> a good nose for things. Yeah. Radars of the lost art. Yes. All uh, right, Gary, uh, Slow Horses. I've only seen episode one. It's awesome. Couldn't take my eyes off it. It starts to pace. looks like a Bond movie. Then you have the ending titles. Then it looks like uh, the Sweeney Plus Plus uh, with more skank and lank thrown in. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's good good, good enough for its own benefit. Um, who do you play? Who are the horses? Why are they slow? Etc. 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 Well, uh, when you, uh, if you, if you're in MI5, and you embarrass yourself so royally or mess up, um, being a civil servant, uh, they don't fire you. They, they, in our world, they move you to Slough House, where you join a whole bunch of a motley crew of misfits who all have their own little secret of why they're there and um, uh, they're under the leadership of uh, Jackson Lamb who I play who is their uh, miserable unkempt, (laughs) greasy alcoholic uh, chain smoking boss whose object really is to make their lives so bone crushingly boring that they either kill themselves or leave (laughs) And Jet, boy, has he turned it into an art form. I mean, he's yeah. so odious, you know, uh, but you can't help thinking, you can't take your eyes off him. 
Do you know what I mean? You kind of ha- hate him and love him at the same time. And you don't know if he if he's completely free, you know, and at liberty uh, from his soul all the way inside out, or he's behind behind sort of impregnable bars of a cell of his own making. And I'm not quite sure which. And I suppose that's the point, I, isn't I it? I think the latter, possibly. Um, obviously, there is a reason why Lamb is there, and why he runs this show. Yeah. Which we won't readily know until uh, you get you get you get deeper into because it's the show's based on these wonderful books by Mick Heron. So as the series of books go on, you 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 get glimmers of why of of their all their backstories and and while they're there, he's I mean it's basically espionage. It's a spy genre which is familiar to us, but Mick uh, has turned it up, upside down. And, I mean, you never see spies in a movie um, leaving work and doing their laundry and going off to the pub. You know, it's, it's sort of... Um, it's a character piece. It's like The Office set... In the world of, of I, espionage, I wrote that down. I thought, do I dare say that to him? It has got so much of the office going on about it. It's got it? a t- yeah, it's got a touch of that. Oh yeah. my goodness yeah. me! It's like the long lost darker cousin from a parallel universe uh, <laughs> of John Le Carre. It's, it's like, yeah. and let's talk. Let's talk to the John Le Carre behind it. Mick's on the phone now. Good morning, Mick Herrick. Hi there. Hi Gary. Hello, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, pal? Doing very well, thank you, Chris. How are oh, you? Very well. Congratulations. Well, congratulations on the book. I mean, what do you think of the adaptation, how it's been brought to life? I know there's a big premiere on Wednesday. Tell us about the origin story of, of its own story and where where this idea came from in your mind. And does, does Slough House or a place like Slough House really exist? And just, just give, us, give us as much colour or black and white, darkness, binary um, uh, eeriness as you like. Well, well, Slough House as a building actually exists and um, it's... It is the building that appears in the TV show. They got permission to use the actual place. I used to walk past it every morning on my way to work, and that's the building I decided to set uh, the novel in. Um, as far as the actual Department of uh, Failures goes, I, as far as I'm aware, there's no such thing, but uh, we probably wouldn't be told about it if there was. It's a great idea, though, isn't it? Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, you can't say it is, but we can say it on your behalf. It is a brilliant idea, Gary. Come on, it's it's. Yeah, a, yeah. I, I thought, I thought. Oh right. So I, immediately, I was convinced that this must be a real thing. I yes, yeah, certainly. It. I, 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 well, like Mick said, we don't know, do we? We'll never. We'll never know. It's. Um, but uh, it, it, people have asked me that the 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 question I get a lot is. How on earth did you come up with this character? What you know, this creation of, of of Lamb, and I have to always direct them back to Mick. Um, this is all out of the imagination of of this character and these people are out of the imagination of Mick. And really, I had to just physicalize him and give him a voice, and then just follow all the signposts. I mean, the the sat nav of how to play him really was all kind of laid out before me. Yeah, so. but then you come along and you do, do your thing and you add your and, magic well, to his I magic. Of my, the, well, of course. Yes. Okay, so it's a symphony of excellence that we are the beneficiaries of. Uh, so, Mick, just tell us about the main characters, if you don't mind. Uh, just frame that for us, and then we'll crack on with Gary, if, you, if that's OK. Well, Jackson is hopefully a, a bit of an enigma because I try not to let the, the reader know what he's thinking or feeling. Um, so, I mean, as you were saying before, you know, he's, he's either a really desperately intolerable person or he's someone who is um, full of self-loathing. And um, I try to keep it a mystery as to who exactly he is. So it's fun to see Gary playing around this with this and um, bringing depth to the character uh, through his physicality. Um, and I've loved watching it. It's been fantastic. All authors like to see their characters go out and make their own way into the world. Wow. And uh, that's very much what's happening in this case, with the wonderful cast that's been assembled. So you give birth to them, really, don't don't you? And then they go off and make the, you know, sort of plough their own furrows. What about the bright young things at the opposite end of the sort of uh, optimistic scale that are in there? 
Uh, they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, Jack Loudon is wonderful as um, as River Cartwright, who who thinks he's the hero of the series. Yeah. Uh, because he's a he's a sort of thwarted James Bond, and it shows in all his actions and uh, in the way he he delivers all his lines. He has this pent up energy which is trying to get out, which is exactly what I wanted for the for the character. And what That's about... how I try to portray him on the page, and it's definitely coming across on the screen. So if he's a frustrated James Bond, uh, what's Freddie Fox's character then? Uh, oh, he thinks he is James Bond. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a wonderfully oleaginous performance from uh, from Freddie. It's fantastic. All right, um, I'd say what some of the female leads because they're all you, in a, when you get an ensemble like this, everybody's a lead or, or everybody's a supporting actor uh, to the next person, you know. And nobody steals the scene. The scene, the scene sort of steal themselves, which is absolutely awesome. Who is Catherine? Because she she could be a bookend uh, to Gary's character. She does. She's not. I don't think from what we see at the end of the first episode. Well, she, to me, is the sort of beating heart of the of the series, of the novels, anyway. And um, she's the, the heart and soul of, of Slough House. She's someone who could have crashed and burned. I mean, she has alcohol problems. Uh, so the very fact that she hasn't done that uh, and is tolerant of um, uh, of Gary's character shows that she's she's the one who's kind of succeeded in life in a way, even though it doesn't look like it from yeah. uh, from our perspective, because she's still she's still around and she's not living in a shop doorway or something. So um, she's the character I probably empathize most with when i'm when i'm writing she's the one i really enjoy writing that's cool isn't it that's interesting is she is she like some kind of flywheel for you she's like some kind of anchor i think so yes she's the um she's the one around whom as the books go on all the other characters start to revolve really with the exception of, of jackson they start turning to her for for support more and more all right so um the premiere how does the premiere of a tv series work you don't you can't sit there for all 12 hours can you how does that how, how what happened Two episodes. See, see the first two episodes. Yeah. Um, I've seen the first one. Uh, uh, before we um, take a bite in, thanks so much for, for making time to, to be with us as part of this today. Um, what do you want to say to everybody now listening to the show to do with the arcs that may unfold? Uh, well, I, I hope you enjoy watching it. I think if you watch the first episode and see what this cast are doing with the, uh, with the story, you'll hang on and you'll want to see all of it. And there is plenty more coming. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. Uh, Mick Heron, you can't do it without the words, can you, Gal? You can't do any of this without the words. Can't do it without the words. The better the words are, um, the better you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so alluded to the physicality of, of your character. Uh, Slow Horses episode one of six out now today, Apple TV Plus. And if you don't, if you have Apple TV Plus and you have a TV and you don't watch that over the weekend, you might as well sell both. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Okay, gang, so we've heard from a bunch of stunning guests already, but still to come. The super smooth and super cool Jack Savaretti has a swooning over news of his performance at Carfest this summer. Tickets still available. Carfest.org. Expert immunologist Dr. Jenna Machoki is back, 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 giving us her top 10 things you can do today to put yourself on the path to better health and well-being. Plus, the impeccable Ruth Wilson takes us through her new movie, True Things, and talks about her return to the West End in the human voice at the Harold Pinter Theatre. And top doc, Rangan Chatterjee, shares cutting-edge insights from his new book, Happy Mind, Happy Life, 10 Ways to Feel Great Every Day. So let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? He's the GP that's gone from general practitioner to great podcaster, and he's written a bunch of wisdom down just for you. His new book, Happy Mind, Happy Life, is out today. So if you're looking for a long-term health strategy, we've got just the Chatterjee. It's Dr. Rongan Chatterjee! Oh, very good, Dave. That is very good. Well, that was too good, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was impressed. That was awesome. <laughs> By the way, number one, number one, number one. How can it, your book already have been number one for two days but it's only out today. How does that work? On pre-orders and just uh, people ordering it before it comes out, I'm, I'm pretty... And that counts in the charts? Yeah, yeah, it counts. Even though it's only just come out a few hours ago, officially. Um... That's like somebody scoring in training for the Champions League final and it counting. Yeah. Isn't it? It's the same kind of thing. That's nice. It's a nice feeling. It's no, it's, not, it's never happened before publication. Has it before. Not? Has it not? Well, it's happened after publication, uh, but not before. And, and I, I don't know, Chris, I think it... I'm delighted because I think this is, um, I think it's the best, but definitely the most important book I've written to date. And I kind of feel that... It's the one you wanted to write most, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. I mean, look, you read an early copy, right? About... Secret manuscript. Secret manuscripts over a year ago. Yes. And... Given to me by a tall gentleman in a field. In, yeah. He looks a bit <laughs> like me. Oh, it was you. It was me. But it, this, is, this is real passion. This is kind of, um, you know, my whole thing, Chris, has always been 
what's the root cause of why this person is sitting in front of me? Yeah. Not what the symptom is. I get it. What's the root cause? And I've said for years, 80% is lifestyle related, right? The yep. way we're living our lives. Mm-hmm. But I've been then trying to figure out over the last years, well, is it is lifestyle the root cause or can you go further upstream? Yeah. Is there something that's even more important? Right. Okay, let's get to the mechanics. You just touched upon them there. So there are 10 main chapters and there's lots of uh, additional information and research and philosophy around those 10 main chapters. But uh, there are these two main mechanics that you speak to in the first few pages of the book, which are the milking stool and also the phenomenon of things being upstream and downstream. Yeah, so upstream and downstream is trying to find the root cause of a patient's problems led me to lifestyle, food, movement, sleep, and relaxation. But then I would see lots of patients who would change their lifestyle. They'd have brilliant lifestyles, yet they were still struggling. They were letting the actions of other people, let's say um, the email from a boss, really, really bother them and build up this kind of emotional tension and stress in their body, which would then get in the way of their lifestyle changes. So I was thinking, well, is there something that's more upstream? And there is, from 20 years of seeing patients, I look at my patients, I look into the research, and it's happiness, right? People who are happier in their lives and with their lives are healthier and they live longer. And there's two big reasons for that, right? The first one I think people naturally get. If you feel more content and calm in your life, you naturally make better lifestyle choices, right? You're less likely to, um, you know, comfort eat and to dive headfirst into the Ben and Cherry's tub, Yeah, right? consume. Exactly. You're less likely to do that. Yeah. But it's not just that. Even when you account for lifestyle, there was this beautiful study of nuns. They followed these nuns their entire life. They all had the same lifestyle, same diet, same movement, same sleep. And they found that the happier nuns were significantly healthier and they lived for longer. And there's all kinds of science that shows us, you know, people who don't feel so good in, them, in their lives compared to people who do, they get sick three times more often, right? So this is real. And what I don't think people understand, Chris, and I certainly didn't understand a few years ago, is that happiness is a trainable skill, right? We can get good at happy. It's not a uh, distant destination that one day we're going to sort of stumble across when our life is perfect, when everyone treats us the right way, when everything goes our way. That's never going to happen. And so I have broken it down. I think it's a very practical model for people that I've used on myself, I've used on my patients. And there are these three kind of legs of what I call the core happiness stool. Right, The first leg is alignment. When the person who you really are inside and the person who you are actually being out there in the world are one and the same, right? It's like all about values. Are your values and your actions matching up? The second leg is contentment. What sort of things do we do in our life that make us feel peaceful and calm and content, right? But the third leg, because what I wanted, Chris, was a complete model that worked in every situation. Because I think a lot of the time when we think about happiness, we're just looking at one component or we talk about meaning, let's say, which I don't think is the same thing as happiness. So this third leg is control. I'm not talking about controlling the world, right? The last two years have shown us that the world is not controllable. Things are going to happen whether we want them to or not. It's what can you do on a daily basis that gives you a sense of control over your life, little things. So what I'm really passionate about is that we can all work on these three legs of the stool. I've broken down exactly how to do it in the book with these kind of simple tools that don't cost any money. And the side effect is going to be, when you work on alignment, contentment, and control, the side effect is going to be that you're going to feel happier more often and you're going to get healthier. Many people, and I was this person five years ago, would allow the actions of other people. Let's say you get a bo- an email from your boss, right? I know you probably don't have a boss, Chris, but for, for most people who do have a boss... <laughs> I have several bosses, uh, <laughs> both here if, and at home. <laughs> if, if you get an email from your boss that you don't like, a lot of people take a disempowering narrative and they go oh man I can't believe the boss sent me that email do they not know that I know my job Uh, I can't believe it you know whatever kind of disempowering narrative they want to take they don't realize that that is emotional stress that emotional stress gets stored in your body and leads to physical problems right but you can train yourself to choose a happiness story so the phrase I use which has literally transformed my life and many of my friends is if I was that person I'd be doing exactly the same as them, right? If you really think about that, that's basically saying, if I was that person with their childhoods, with the bullying they had as a child, with their parents, with their life experiences, with what's going on in their life, I would almost certainly have made the same decision as them. And when you, when you start with that approach, 
right? You find actually that you, compassion leads everything that you do and you don't find yourself getting triggered. If people think you can't do that, I promise you, you can, right? It's a simple thing that you can practice and get better at. Five years ago, I wasn't very good at this. This is the missing link in health, Chris. I'm sure of it. We create internal stress and pressure. We let the actions of other people affect us all the time, but you can train yourself to not get triggered, right? You really can. And I would say, although there are like, I think 20 plus free tools in the book, this is my favorite one because it's had the most impact on me. It's, it's, that's brilliant. That is a brilliant framing of something that's very important and very useful to all of us. This is the, why, why am I as a doctor so passionate about this, Chris, is because this emotional stress, this um, inability to forgive, hold on to anger, hold on to resentment, we know that's strongly associated with things like cancer, autoimmune disease, chronic disease, heart disease. So sure, I'm a big proponent of food, movement, sleep and stress management. But the big missing link is how we think, how we approach the world. And that's why I think, you know, I think people are going to find the, these tips in this book so incredibly helpful because I've used them on myself. I feel great. I've used them on my patients and, and all kinds of physical health problems start to get better. And I do think we want happiness. You know, it's become like this almost uncool word these days. But I think that's because we misunderstand happiness. Yeah. It's not having a smile on your face every day. It's, it's freedom, isn't it? It's freedom. It's mental freedom. It's resilience. Right, we've got to wrap it up. We are way over time. And uh, I can control that, and it's my job too. But I'm not doing it. Uh, Rogan, great to see you again, man. Thanks, Chris. Okay, this book already number one, and it's only publication day today. Happy mind, happy life. Ten simple ways to feel great every day. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. If you like your music with a large dollop of Italian sophistication and class, then look no further. He's playing on the main stage at this year's Carfest South and tickets are on sale now. The crowds are spectacular, the comedians are top draw, and the music is sublime. Just ask the wonderful Jack Savaretti. All right, Jack. Good morning, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm currently in the airport in the Isle of Man. I know. To fly, fly back. So you're coming back you... here. What have you been doing there? We've been touring. We finally were back on the road. It's been I'm, I, I don't know how to quite put it into words yet. I've, I've never been so overwhelmed by uh, by touring <laughs> in all the 15 years I've been doing this, being able to see people's faces, seeing people singing and dancing. It's been nuts, man. It's been it's been amazing. Yeah, and live this, music is back. I, it really is back, and this journey of joy continues because basically we're all just still warming up, aren't we? I mean, we had our festivals last year, but we're still sort of getting back to uh, you know full match fitness, and uh, this year's going to be better than ever. I was talking to a couple of people involved in events yesterday, Jack, and they said, yeah. you know, we, we're all desperate for live events of all kinds, of all types to come back, but boy, they are. And, you know, it, it may not be the roaring 20s, uh, like in the 20th century after, <laughs> after the Great War, after the First World War, but it's not that dissimilar. My goodness me, we are ready to party. It is, and you know what it is? It's really interesting to see, usually when we've, you know, we've been doing this long enough, both you and I, to know that when you go to, to sort of, to shows and everything. You can see the crowd is there just for the show. That's not really the case anymore. Like we're seeing before the show and after the show, everybody's, there's a lot more people sort of hanging out, getting to know each other. Yeah, no, it's, so a, true. it's amazing. There's a lot of love in the room now when people are together. I think people have just re reevaluated and, and realized how amazing it is to sort of be in a group of people all experiencing the same thing. And something that's only happening right then and there is something that I think we've taken for granted with everything that's been happening in the last few years yeah, so no, it's, it's amazing to reevaluate. we've rediscovered our need for community but also our love of community our love of being oh, together when we are together we feel safer and that comes from the tribal days when we were hunters and gatherers you know we Absolutely. were meant to be in groups of 40 to 50 people to hunt and gather and to watch out for each other and then you know uh, we were meant to be in groups you know three four five times that in the villages and um, where from whence we we went out hunting and gathering and that that is in us that is innate and when we get back together um that's how we feel and i think that more i think more people are now doing fewer things bizarrely but doing them better and bigger because a lot of people are working from home so when they do go out they're making more of it and that may speak to what you've just alluded to about the fact people are getting there early they're staying for one night instead of two things like that it's it's, it's overwhelming i'm not gonna lie it's just been an incredible sort of it, it surprised me how much I've also enjoyed being back in this environment, which I've always loved, of course. It's what we do and it's what we love to do. 
but it's really taken me by surprise how much I've really missed this. And it, and it feels great to be back. When you played your first day back, I was lucky enough to be there because it was, it was where I live, you know, and you played with your band for the first time. You were nervous and you you'd, you'd got together a couple of days early to rehearse. Yeah. And I'd seen you, you know, I've been fortunate to see you play, you know, quite a lot now. And you were different that night. You know, your songs were different. There was more going on. They were the same songs. You were the same Jack Severetti, or were you? 100%. Yeah. But there was something more going on. And I think that's only going to grow, not diminish. I, I totally agree. The meaning has definitely um, grown deeper. Um, and it, you know what it is? It's kind of taking it back to where it was originally. It's just sometimes those those purposeful actions you do, whether it be in your career or in a relationship, they can sort of fizzle. Or like I said before, you can take them for granted and just sort of think that they are there, that they're expected. And then when you get that risk of it being taken away, or if it is actually taken away, that's when you reevaluate it. Is the Johnny Mitchell? You only know what you've got. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Yeah. And that's very much how the feeling of people in general is. Whatever, whether you're receiving it or giving it, people are realizing they they've reevaluated it. They understand the value of what they're either receiving or giving. Yeah, and here's us lot thinking we were still cooking on gas, and what we hadn't realized is that we put our pan on the back burner and we were just simmering, even on the verge of exactly. congealing. Who wants to congeal totally. live on stage? One hundred percent. I love you. Thank you so much for fitness in again for Carfest this year. I really, really appreciate it. Man, I can't wait. Thank you for asking me. Um, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. We're going to make it count, I promise. All right, jacksavretti.com. Go there as uh, Jack's UK tour continues tomorrow in Newcastle, uh, live and direct from the Isle of Man. Um, Find out everything uh, of Savaretti-wise at jacksavretti.com or just come and see him at Carfest. That is Jack Savaretti, live on your radio and live at Carfest this year. Carfest.org for tickets, my friends. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From telly to film to theatre and back again, our next guest can do it also very well. Her new film, True Things, is out today and she's treading the boards in the human voice. So here to tell us some true things is the lovely human voice of the brilliant Ruth Wilson. All right, Ruth. <laughs> Thank you. What How a great intro. Uh, right, I don't know about the play because I haven't seen it. I haven't really heard much about it. I know that, it's, that you're smashing it and it finishes next weekend. Have seen the film. So you... you, you uh, <laughs> Have a go at the, the play because you're in it <laughs> okay. and you've just come from the theatre now because yeah. you're on the way home because you do every. It's a one hander. It's a one hander. It was written by Jean Cocteau in the 1930s. Uh, it's a breakup uh, play, really. It's, a, it's one phone call to this woman to her, her ex lover and it's their final phone call. Um, it's an hour long and it's basically. It's devastating, really, but it's amazing to do. I don't have... You don't hear the other man, you don't see him, you don't. he doesn't have a name. Um, and it's just me on the phone for an hour <laughs> in a box on the stage. But it's about communication through the phone, really. It was written at a time when phones were in people's homes for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So Cocteau is really analysing what a relationship is through an inanimate object and how you can obsess over this relationship through this sort of you know, this phone, um, which we all do now. When it was novel at the time, I suppose. At the time it was novel, and now it feels even more relevant. You know, we all sort of do conduct our relationships through a phone, um, and it kind of makes something hyper real. You know, it's sort of, it doesn't, it's not the reality. Um, So it's all about her, even though it's a relationship, it's really about her own attachment to this man. It's about isolation. It's about um, this woman's sort of, desires to be in this relationship which is ending um and it's kind of it feels a bit like covid as well because i'm in a box i'm in my room um it's a glass screen i'm behind a glass screen the audience are voyeuristically watching me on this phone call and you see this woman have a crisis throughout the course of an hour see there are so many segues into your film from yeah. that it's, it, I, I could have gone honest, with a phone. I could have gone with a woman yeah, and the man and the yeah. relation, end of relationship, beginning of relationship. It's like a companion piece, really, to three how, things. How, how, for, how, for, how convenient. How convenient. <laughs> it's funny because we were talking about the phone yesterday because, again, we were revisiting Better Call Saul just because we had Bob, uh, Bob Odenkirk on the show last week yeah. and I've got to get back into Better Call Saul. Um, you know, and obviously he's trying to set up his own law practice, whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he's waiting for phone calls. But, of course... You know, back in the day, if you waited for a phone call, you had to sit by the phone yeah. all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... it's And, and it's, this is also set in the 1930s. Well, it's, it was written in the 1930s, so there's all these... The operator is connecting you. Of course. So it's still through these party lines with people on the other end listening in, or you have to go through another woman. 
you know, to get to the, the guy that you want to speak to or the person you want to speak to. And how, how does that piece sit in the, in the here and the now? Because it's like still it's about really it's not really about that, but it's about the relationship to a phone. It's about the idea of trying to connect to someone. I mean, my partner lives in New York. So during COVID, my whole relationship was through a phone. Right. And it's like you wonder whether it's even real. Like, yes, I can see him. Yes, I can hear him. But he's not in my space. Yeah. I can't touch him. It's not tactile. It's in some ways it's not real. So it's all about how she sort of both film and the show are really about how it's the relationship to herself and how she imagines or she's manifesting something or, you know, creating an illusion in her own mind of what this relationship is. And the reality is very different. I love that whole photon thing about, you know, if you, you know, if you, if you say you look at Rachel now, for example. Yeah. Okay, so look at Hello. Rachel. Right. <laughs> Looking at you right. really closely. Right. And you can, you can see Rachel. Yes, I can see Rachel. Okay, right. Keep looking at her. Right. Close your eyes. Can you see Rachel? You've got a green jumper on. Yeah, but, but you can still see. But you can still see her. Yeah. And the whole thing yeah. about phones is photons. You know, because we don't we don't experience anything outside of our body. It's all inside our body. We see everything inside. We t- we taste everything inside. We touch everything inside. We are. You know, not nothing happens outside us. It yeah. all happens inside us. Yes. And when you start thinking about that, yeah. and then you get the phone thing going on, because there is no such thing as a picture. No, exactly. It's just the photons going into your right. eye and then going into the cinema of your, you know, inner... Imagination in your brain. crazy, man. And that's, both these pieces are really about the relationship with her own thoughts yeah. and being trapped in their own thoughts in a way. Both well, these you can women. Get, you can feel trapped, can't you? Have yeah. you ever had that one? Have yeah. You ever, have you ever had that? And this, there's Diamond Bell and the Butterfly, which is different, I suppose. But, you know, if you if you are in the a different frame of mind, not the wrong frame of mind necessarily, but if you're in a different frame of mind, you know, you can never not be you. And if if you think about that too much, that can get very claustrophobic. Yeah. And both these pieces, and certainly the play, is very claustrophobic. And the way it's staged is on behind a glass. Yeah, yeah. And As we all are, really. Yeah. And the audience are watching, voyeuristically watching me. Um, and I'm mic'd so you can hear me. But it's, it's, you're seeing this woman sort of have a crisis uh, behind a box and you can't really get to her. So it's it's a really interesting piece. I I've, I love doing it. I mean, it was scary. Oh, I love hearing um, about it. How's it? How's the, how's the bums on seats going? Really good. Yeah, we've got like another ten days left, um, and the energy coming out of the room. I think people. It's like an experience. It's not really plot driven. It's more you're watching this woman. So you're sort of with her throughout this experience. Because you're on your own, I know there are other people around the direction, people like that working at the theatre, but when you're driving home, because it's you on your own, you know, or walking home, however you get home, um, do, do, you, do you have that constant sort of post-show conversation with yourself about that night because her voice <laughs> is still in your head? Does she accompany you home, if you like? Yeah, a little bit. And, I mean, on the stage, I'm talking to myself. There's parts when she starts, she puts down the phone. Mm. So he's, I mean, it's the director's choice that the conversation continues, but she's kind of talking to herself. So it's, that's really fascinating. That wasn't in the original production. That's what Evo has done. Why, do, why am I feeling anxious hearing about yeah. that? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it does make you feel anxious. But it's, it's really also, I think people can really relate to it. There's moments in everyone's life that you've had those breakups, horrific breakups, where you can't let go of the relationship. You want the person to ring. You're desperate for them to ring back. And you're trying to hold on to it. Isn't it funny? Why do we want people to ring us who don't want to ring us? And we know they don't want to, but we still want them to. Isn't that the, the unrequitedness, you know? Yeah, and the fear of loneliness and, and you know, the it, because it makes you feel good for a split second. Well, on your own, you feel, you know, empty. Dave, there's this theory that all fear is only to do with one thing, losing. All yeah. fear is based on loss. Well, it's loss of control, loss of money, loss of identity. It's all... Fear is only about loss. That's yeah. it. Finished. Yeah, yeah lots mean, of people say it's about grief, this play, a bit. Right. And that's what it is. It's loss of this thing. Well, you've done pretty well selling that on your own, let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> now, we have seen True Things, your movie, so we have got to do a bit of heavy lifting here, Vassos. All yeah. right? The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Her mere presence made us all feel healthier, so she's back for another dose of goodness. Her healthy tome, Your Blueprint for Strong Immunity, is out now, and she's here to share ten things you can do to put yourself on the path to better health. So sit back and digest the wisdom of the wonderful Dr. Jenna Machoki. Good morning, Jenna. 
Jenna! Hi, good morning. Welcome back. Um, so, uh, your appearance on the show and uh, your book and uh, people who, who like to buy books, that all went pretty well, didn't it, last time yeah, around? Yeah, that was amazing. Thank you so much. No, no, you're very welcome. It's good for us as well because other publishers see it and they go, OK, let's get, let's get you know, talented yeah. bums on those particular seats. So it works. It works yeah. for us. OK, so it's a two-way street. So, well done. And your blueprint for strong immunity is still out uh, as is The Science of Staying Well by Dr. Jenna uh, on Immunity, your first book, The Definitive Guide to Caring for Your Immune System. You just gifted me one of those. Uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. I, I can sense a round three coming on. <laughs> so you've done something special for us today. What have you curated for us today? I've put together Dr. Jenna's Ten Commandments for a Strong <laughs> Immune System. And we'll take them. Can we post this on our website? Oh, of course. Oh, in yeah, detail. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's, it's two pages of A4, two pages <laughs> of absolute gold. And this is bespoke gold. It's all distilled. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Jenna's done, as always, done all the heavy lifting for us. So let's uh, close our eyes and put a pin in one of those. Hang on a second. Uh, number three, use extra virgin olive oil um, as your main culinary oil. Tell us more about that. So some ingredients really stand the test of time and olive oil is definitely one of those. It's a great source of those healthy fats. So these fats are going to be incorporated into your immune cells to help them move around and do their job really well. And it's packed with polyphenols. So we talked last time about vitamin P, these plant compounds that are so important for our health. Um, And exclusively using extra virgin olive oil as your main cooking oil is associated with better health, longevity, less risk of dying from pretty much everything. (laughs) Uh, I can't speak high enough about it. Um, And if you use olive oil to cook, you can get double the amount of nutrients out of your plants. So tomatoes, carrots... Roast them up. So, but you've got to be careful because if you if you overheat it, it becomes bad for you, doesn't it? Well, this is the the thing that we have to put to bed because actually, Ooh. olive oil is so full of all these plant compounds. It keeps the oil stable. Uh, obviously, you don't want to heat it to industrial right. levels of cooking, but for all home cooking, it's actually one of the best oils you can use. Wow. Okay, yeah. that goes contrary to everything that I've ever heard from can... people who I thought knew their onions and did their olives, but that's, that's not the case. Um, <laughs> Um, let's stick a pin in somewhere else. Eat wild and get outdoors in nature daily or as much as possible. So we won't have time to dive into all 10 of these. So once again, uh, in detail, all 10 of these will be available at virginradio.co.uk uh, once we come off the air. But eat wild, get outdoors in nature daily. Yeah, so eat wild. Um, go out into the, to, to nature, forage. It, it's springtime. We can get things like wild garlic at the moment. These wild greens that are edible, they've got um, up to 70% more of these plants plant nutrients that are really nourishing for our immune system than your regular greens that you find in the supermarket. So uh, we're also getting the benefits of breathing in our biome. So we have these microbes that live on us and in us. These are the main educators of our immune system. So they're like little training uh, germs that are going to to teach our immune system what to do. And when you're out in nature, these natural environments have their own microbiome, so we're breathing them in. They're actually nurturing the own, our own microbes in our gut and our airways, and that way we're helping our immune system. Plus, nature has so many other benefits for our immune system. Things that trees um, produce, these phytoncides, the smell of the forest, that has actual effects on improving some of our immune cells that are involved in anti-cancer and antiviral properties, the natural killer cells. So get out in nature. I really cannot... I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Because, you know, you, if you live in a village, I lived in a village for 10 years, and people who work on the farms on the land come in at half five for a, for a, a pint on the way home, and they just look so blinking yeah. well all the time. Yeah, and, and that's not an accident, is it? It's not. No, and it has this trickle down effect. The more time outside, the more sun you the get, complexion. the better for your circadian rhythm. You get better sleep. You're more likely to be moving around when you're outdoors. So there's a whole host of benefits, and I just cannot emphasize that enough. Because when you immerse yourself in nature so much, uh, she sort of um, uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, um, uh, sort of vicariously sets the agenda. You don't even notice. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and so it's okay, isn't it? It's not yeah. like you're being preached to. Yeah. You just part, you become part of it. Part of it. Oh yeah. my goodness, it's good. mm-hmm. just you talking about all that makes me want to go for go for <laughs> another trail run now. Yeah. Oh my goodness me! Mm-hmm. I heard last week about the fact that if you can if you can retain or improve your grip strength as you get older, yep. that is anti-Alzheimer. Yep. Yeah. So grip strength is pro- probably one of the best ways to show how the muscle in all of your body is working so it's a good kind of and why 
would that relate to, to, to Alzheimer's? Because again, this uh, muscle mass is, is having this rejuvenating effect on your immune system, which is lowering at, like the unwanted inflammation in your body. And we know that unwanted inflammation rises as we age and that can have this knock-on effect on brain health. And it's been known to be a risk factor for Alzheimer's. And just talking about this, A, you talk about it with joy, as always, <laughs> right? You impart the information so, in a, in a sort of almost just, you know, post-kindergarten level, which is, <laughs> is, is what we need to hear. You yeah. know, you're interpreting it for us. But it all sounds so attractive as well. I want to do all these things. Mm -hmm. You know, I literally want to stop the show, finish the show, and go and do as many things as I can before my responsibilities kick in for a usual Tuesday. Jenna, what are you up to for the rest of the week? Uh, I'm back uh, in the lab, back being mum. Oh, what are you doing? What are you experimenting? Yeah, this this week, week, uh, what we're doing is uh, I like to explore what our gut microbes are doing with the fibre that we eat in our diet and how that looks at the gut barrier. So, yeah. Right, if there's one, you've got your top 10 commandments here, but if there's one thing somebody can do today when the show goes off the air at 10 o'clock to to help with their their well-being, what might that be? I would get outside because it's it's going to tick off a lot of boxes. Green space, if you can, natural environments, if you can, a park. yeah. Dr. Jenny, you're amazing. Thanks so much for coming. No problem. You're Thanks for always having welcome me. back. Your blueprint for strong immunity is out now by Dr. Jenna Machiocchi. And find out more about Dr. Jenna at drjennamachiocchi.com. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.